Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled, A Conversation, a Meal, and an Encounter with Christ. We're going to be looking at a story from Luke chapter 24 about the disciples on the road to Emmaus and how they encountered God in the midst of their doubts and struggles and fears. Jesus reveals himself, even in the midst of that place. This message is kind of leading up to our Alpha course, which is going to be starting on September 20th. If you're interested in attending the Alpha course, or if you have friends who might be interested, just send them over to our website. We have a registration form at northshorevineyard.org that you can fill out. You can watch a promo video with some some folks talking about their experience with it. And also, we will have invites available at our service this coming weekend as well. So, let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church in downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. This morning, we're going to dig into one of my favorite passages from the New Testament. uh, Really one of my favorite stories uh, of how Jesus reveals himself to some of his people. And this can be found in Luke 23, uh, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, let me give you a little setup here, by the way, before we get into it. This happens just a couple days after the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus has uh, been crucified on Friday, and these disciples, a couple days later, are really reeling with, with fear and doubts and and wondering what's going on. They put their trust in Jesus, but now it seems like the whole movement has just come to a bloody and brutal end. So Luke 23, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. When he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one who who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? In the beginning, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, 
were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on that road and opened up the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told, Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I love this, past, this passage from the New Testament because it, it shows us some things about how God reveals himself to us. Even in the midst of our struggles, our doubts, our fears, God shows up. But it also shows us a little bit of something about the journey of faith, that it is, in fact, a journey. It's a process. And sometimes Jesus is speaking to us, and we don't even know that that's the case. Have you ever noticed that to be true in your life? Sometimes God is is sharing things with our hearts, and we don't even recognize it as God until we get a little bit down the road. So today, I want to look at this, this beautiful story, this beautiful picture of how many of us can find faith in Christ. But also, I want to see that, I, I think what we see in this story here, it, it's, it's quite different from what many of us have maybe seen in the church that we grew up in, or maybe if you didn't grow up in church, it may be very different from what you've seen as the church uh, conveys Jesus to the surrounding world. You know, I, being a pastor of a church called Vineyard, I get all kinds of weird questions. We, I was actually working up here one day, and two women walked up. We had all our cafe tables out here, and some women came up. They said, hey, do you all do wine testings on, uh, tastings on Friday night? <laughs> it's like, no, that, that's probably Pontchartrain Vineyards. But uh, uh, I get people asking all the time, what is this, what is this church called Vineyard? What, what are you all? Yeah, like a cult or, or, or maybe like kind of non-denominational? I was like, well, you know, it's kind of non-denominational. There's other vineyard churches. We're part of a network of churches. But uh, I said, you know, we're, we're kind of an evangelical church. And, and I realize every time I say that word evangelical, it's, it's, a, it's a word that has a lot of baggage in our culture. Because for a lot of people, the word evangelical, it, it means tele-evangelist, right? Or, or else it may mean that to be an evangelical, you've, you've got to believe certain political ideologies. It, it must mean that you're, you know, a, a Republican or, or conservative or, or something like that. Or perhaps it means to them hypocrisy because a lot of well-known evangelicals have fallen from grace in recent years. But, you know, ultimately, really, the, the, the reason I still keep that term evangelical as a part of our description, even though it's got a lot of baggage with other people, is because... Really, at, at the heart of it, it's just sharing our faith with other people. Now, you realize, the reason I'm a pastor today, it's not because I was thinking back in my 20s, man, what would be a lucrative job career? You know, how, how can I really, you know, get all my, you know, get the American dream? I, I'm in this bit because I encountered Jesus Christ about 20 years ago. I, I'm in this whole thing. I mean, I, I find myself, you know, I, I, it's been a long, strange road but here I am pastoring, and, and I didn't get here because I was looking for a career path. I got here because I encountered Jesus Christ years ago, and I said yes to him, and, and it completely rocked my world. And I want other people to find out what it's like to be reconciled to God, that, that God tears down every wall and loves you right where you're at, and he'll bring you into his kingdom, and, 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 and you get to be a part of it. That has wrecked my life, and I want it to, to, to get a hold of other people. 
So when I say evangelical, I, I call our church evangelical because we're not just a church that exists to be kind of a country club for people who already know everything about God, you know, so we can kind of, uh, you know, s- s- talk in Christianese and, and, you know, just kind of hallelujah, brother, let's, uh, let, you know, gather around and, and just be happy that we got a nice little click. Part of why our church exists is really for people that have never come into that story. For, our church exists for people that, that don't think that God loves them right where they're at. For people who've been burned by religion. For people who are outcasts. We want everyone to know that no matter where you're at, God loves you and he welcomes you in. So evangel- evangelism, the word evangelical, it means a little bit different to us here than maybe you grew up experiencing in your, your own life. I find that there's a few pitfalls for the word evangelism in our culture. There's a few pitfalls for the way evangelism has been portrayed. You know, when I was growing up, I, I remember going to the local Baptist church when I was uh, in youth. And nothing against Baptists. I love Baptists. But I, I remember the, the typical thing when I would show up at the church. I was like 13, 14 years old. And there would always be somebody speaking and, and they'd say, you know, if, if you walked out of the doors tonight and you got hit by a Mack truck, where would you spend eternity? And as a 13-year-old, you know, I wasn't too concerned about dying anytime soon, but I sure wanted to make sure I got the bases covered, right? So when they start playing just as I am, I'd, I'd go up, and, and I'd pray it again and again. I didn't care that the Baptists believe once saved, always saved. I, I didn't. You know, I just wanted to make sure, hey, let's, let's keep the bases covered, and I would go up and, and pray the prayer again and again and give my life to Jesus, except problem is for me it was more just a prayer it was just something i was saying because i thought i thought that's all you needed to do is just hey say this prayer and you're in you're okay and and it really had no impact on my day-to-day life because it was always the action was always about out there when you die and dude you know when you're 13 years old you don't think you're ever going to die right you know you think you know everything and and uh you, you know you've got it all figured out and you're going to live forever and you're never going to find days where you wake up sore and, <laughs> and things like that. This is one of the, the fundamental flaws of evangelism in our culture in the last several decades is that, that evangelism is always put in terms of where you go when you die. And so it has no relevance in, in our lives in the, in the moment. There, there's no sense of following Jesus in the here and now and, and, and experiencing transformation in your life right now. It's always where you go when you die. I think that's a pitfall. Secondly, I think part of our efforts to uh, win people to Jesus, we've, the church has borrowed way too much from the business culture. And so evangelism has become kind of a sales pitch. Have you ever been sold the gospel before? You ever tried to sell it before? Yeah. I, you know, we get, there, there's, there's programs. You know, I've, when I was in campus ministry, there was... Uh, they, they, would act, they actually had a guy come into our campus ministry one time to tell us how to, how to share the gospel with students. And, and he, he showed you how to take a chair and get up on it in the student union and start yelling at people. You know, that, <laughs> I don't know if that was an effective sales pitch. But, uh, but oftentimes we look at, some of y'all are probably saying I need to stand on the chair more often, right? Some of y'all in the back. I've been thinking about getting a soapbox, but uh, Dan Nitschke wouldn't have any problems up here. But... Um, but sometimes in our efforts to persuade people of Jesus, we, we, we kind of make a, a sales pitch out of it. Like we're just trying to sell people Jesus, talk them into it, get them to make an emotional plea. And so 
oftentimes we, we might sell them Jesus, and they say yes to it, but it doesn't stick. Have you ever been sold something, and you walked away going, what just happened to me? Like, why did I just, how did I buy that? I remember, like, a few weeks after I got married to Dina, I was up doing a youth camp up in Michigan, and as a good newly married husband, I thought I would pick up my wife some nice gift while I was on the road, like a teddy bear or something, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm out at the mall, and I'm walking down, and, and this guy has one of these little kiosks in the middle of the mall. He says, hey, have you heard about these, uh, these beauty products this from, made from Dead Sea salts? I was like, no, I'm not really interested. He said, no, 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 no. Come over here and feel this. Put your hands in this for 30 seconds. Feel how soft and smooth they are, you know, and it, I've never paid attention to my hands before. They could have been, you know, <laughs> like, wow. That, that, that's, And I didn't want to spend my money on this stuff. I really didn't. But 15 minutes later, I'm walking away with a bag full of this Dead Sea salt. And I'd spent like 80 bucks on it, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> and it didn't take long at all to, to have kind of buyer's remorse. I'm like, what did I just do? I felt like I had lost control of my faculties. The guy was a great, great salesman. But I know preachers who are just as good at selling Jesus. And so if you're sold Jesus, you walk away with that kind of, what did I just, what did I just do? The, the, it, it felt good at the time. I, it, it seemed like logical, but you have had no chance to work through your doubts, your issues, your struggles with faith. And so you just kind of walk away feeling a little bit more reluctant to ever pursue Christianity again. You know, another thing that I, I've seen in Christianity that, that is a pitfall of, of modern evangelicalism is bait and switch. Has anybody ever been a part of a bait and switch program with Christianity? We see this in the world. Like, I'm sure there's nobody in here that's done this. I've heard of someone who's done this before, but uh, you're, you're, you're on the web, you click on a website, and, and all of a sudden a banner pops up and says, you're the 10 millionth person to view this thing, and, and because of that, you get a, an opportunity to win a new iPad or a gift card to Applebee's. Nobody in here has ever clicked on that, I'm sure. But I've heard, <laughs> I had a friend of a friend who uh, had a relative once that clicked on one of these things, and uh, apparently uh, you get you to take a survey, and then you take another survey, and then you take another survey, and another survey, and really what it works out to is if you're ever going to get that, that silly $50 gift card to Applebee's, you're going to spend three days answering surveys online. Basically, as the old saying, uh, Tan Staffel, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, basically, that applies. That free gift card to Applebee's, it ain't going to be free. You're going to be working for it. You're going to be working for that iPad. It's bait and switch. And if it was just confined to the culture we live in, that wouldn't be too bad. Unfortunately, the church and, and our cleverness, have, uh, we've adopted this technique on, on a couple of occasions. You know, back when I was 19 years old, I was waiting tables in a Mexican restaurant out in Midland, Texas. And uh, Sundays, that was the day you get all the church folk in because and it, it's a big day. And so I'm waiting on a table of a bunch of people that just got out of church. There was 12 people at the table. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to make some money today. This is going to be great. And uh, they get up to leave the table. And I notice under the little... Uh, Thing that holds the sweet and low and sugar, there there's, looks like a folded up $20 bill. And I'm like, yes! $20 back then was, you know, I mean, you could buy a whole meal for like 50 cents or something. No, I'm not that old. Uh, 
But $20, that was going to be good money for me waiting tables back then. So I was like, yes. And then I, I, I take it out and unfold it. And it wasn't a $20 bill at all. It was a religious tract. And, and it said, here's a tip. Surrender to Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, th- that's cute. Where's the money? I'm looking around. <laughs> looking around the table. There's no money. Like, that was the tip. Now, how, how, how much do you think that endeared me towards following Jesus? <laughs> like, like in that moment, like I'm cleaning the table, I'm like, I really need some money to pay rent and get gas and stuff. I'm like, oh, wait, wait. Oh, oh, I found the meaning of life. Good, good. I, I surrendered to Jesus right there. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> if anything, I, I was kind of a little bit more cynical of Christians than I already was. I kind of felt a little bit more jaded, a little bit. I, like, I, I felt like, really? Like, you say God is love, but you won't even give me like 10% tip, 5% tip? You give me a little piece of paper that says, here's your tip. Ha ha, you thought you were getting $20. It was cruel. <laughs> and I don't know who came up with that. Like, like that was just, that's bait and switch. We used to do that out in college ministry at SLU. And one of the techniques that, that we had was you, you get a, a clipboard and you got this survey on it. And college students, they love to give their opinion on stuff. So you're like, hey, can I get your opinion on things? I'm taking a survey today. Oh, yes. And so you start asking questions. But the, but the closing thing is, you know, if you died today, where, <laughs> where would you spend eternity? So you, 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 you take up 20 minutes of their time, and then it's, it's really a sales pitch. That's bait and switch. That's stuff from the culture that has become a pitfall for evangelism. See, I, I think one of the reasons that whether it's relegating the importance of the Christian life to the afterlife, whether it's sales pitches, whether it's bait and switch, one of, our, one of the reasons behind this is that we have a failure of recognizing that faith is a journey. It's a process. It's very relational. See, I can look back at my conversion to Christianity when I was age 20, and, and some, some people in here, I'm sure you would fall in the same category. When I converted to, to following Jesus, it was at the absolute lowest point of my life. I mean, I was, I was in a mess. I was depressed, suicidal, trying to run away with, with drugs and alcohol and just trying to bury my mind and all that stuff. And it was in the midst of that place that I said yes to God. So for me, it was a very clear instance where I stepped over the line. Now, looking back, I realized, though, that it was a process. What seemed very instantaneously, like it just happened out of the blue, really when I look back, I realized God was at work in it the whole time. In the months leading up to that, God was speaking to me. God was working on my heart. I realized that, that even in the first couple of years of being a Christian, God was working on those things. But for other people, perhaps that are not in such a desperate state, the path to transformation, the path to following Jesus is a, is a much more gradual one. You look at like C.S. Lewis, the, the author who's written more you know, well-known Christian books than anybody else. His journey was, was a very long one. It took many years from going from atheist to agnostic to kind of flirting with Christianity to finally stepping in and saying, Jesus is Lord. I, I think it's like when, when me and my family, we go visit my dad in Texas a couple of times a year. If it's nighttime and I'm driving... Uh, I'm the only one who knows when we come into Texas, you know, because everybody else is asleep. I drive over the Texas line, and I go, the stars at night are big and bright. 
deep in the heart of Texas. And uh, I'm the only one doing that. So I know the moment we cross into Texas. But for the rest of my family, Texas is more of an awakening. They awake to the reality that they're in Texas now when we get to my dad's house late in the night. And I believe that that's the way the faith journey is. For some people, it's a very instantaneous moment. You know, like I know the moment that I stepped over the line. For some people, it's, it's a very gradual awakening to, to being with Jesus. What I see with these, these disciples on the road to Emmaus that day is for them, they're in the midst of their struggles, the midst of their doubts, the midst of, of wrestling with what's the meaning of God and life and who's the Messiah. We thought it was Jesus. And what I, I just love this about Jesus Jesus doesn't just show up and say, Ta-da, it's me, Jesus, I rose from the grave. He actually steps in. You know what the, the word's actually saying here? It says, and Jesus walked with them. We talk a lot in church about walking with Jesus. But I love this. Jesus walks with them. I'm going to walk with you even through your fears, your doubts, your struggles, the, the, the things that you can't understand about God. I'm going to walk with you. And Jesus doesn't just give them some pat answers. He begins speaking to these fears, these doubts, these struggles. See, you know, I, I found most people, if you've grown up in church, you never felt um, like you could ask questions. Did, did anybody grow up in a church where you, you just felt like you, you couldn't ask questions? Like, <laughs> you just believe this, and if you don't, if you've got problems with believing this, then get out of here, <laughs> Right? But I love this story because Jesus, he, he enters in. He starts walking with them, and he starts walking with them right in the midst of their discussion of their doubts and their struggles and their fears and their disappointments. And he enters that place, and he doesn't even show that he's Jesus then. I mean, isn't that, isn't that cool? Like, he doesn't give them pat answers. He doesn't, like, open it up right there. He's just, he begins talking to them before he even shows that he's Jesus. I've seen God do that so many times in my life. When I, I felt like I was far away from God, like God couldn't handle my questions, which is kind of silly. <laughs> like God couldn't handle these things that I'm struggling with. I, I, I can't bring them to Jesus. I can maybe bring them to another person, but I can't really bring these things before God because he'll reject me. Only to find out that Jesus is already in those struggles with me and he's already speaking to me. And it's a moment like these disciples had where the bread is broken and all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they see Jesus for who he is. I love the way this closes. It said, did not our hearts burn within us? Have you ever had that experience before when you're in a conversation with someone where all of a sudden it's like a, 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 a switch gets flipped and, and you walk away going, now I know it's having an ordinary conversation, but all of a sudden... It, it felt like Jesus was talking. Like, like all of a sudden, it, like something switched there. Like, I know I was talking to Miss Jackie, but all of a sudden, like I'm hearing Jesus. Wow, I got a bad case of holy heartburn. <laughs> Did not my heart burn with me. I tell you, there, for all the times I've encountered God in church services, I got to tell you, I've encountered God as many times in conversations with friends. Sitting at a dinner table. Hanging out on the back porch late into the hours, just those times that are unscripted, that are just unplanned, where you're just sitting down talking, and then all of a sudden you begin to open up your hearts, you begin to share your struggles, you begin to talk, and all of a sudden God just shows up. And when it's over, you're going like, 
wow, that was the coolest dinner I've had in a long time. Because it wasn't just a dinner among friends. Jesus was actually there. We fail at evangelism because we, we, we fail to, to realize that faith is, a, is it's, it's relational. It's a process. I, I love what Jesus said. John chapter 5, there's a story of a person that Jesus heals. Jesus heals this person on the Sabbath. And so he ticks off a lot of people. They're like, you can't heal people on the Sabbath? Are you crazy? We're supposed to rest on the Sabbath? What are you doing making people better on the Sabbath? It's kind of silly. You know, like they would argue about that. But Jesus, his answer to them in John 5, 17, he says, my father's always working, even now. Actually, Jesus goes on later in John to say, the son only does what he sees the father doing. So in other words, Jesus' whole paradigm for, for ministry was not trying to sell people on the gospel, trying to do some slick presentation. He was always looking for what is the father doing right now? And how can I join in that work? I think one of the reasons evangelism is such a bummer to us, you ever felt bummed out by evangelism? Like, you ever, I, I mean, I don't think most people feel like, I mean, there's some people that are like evangelists. I don't feel like an evangelist. You know, I just feel like, I still feel like I'm just a musician who just happens to talk about God a little bit more than people. But I don't feel gifted in evangelism. I don't feel like a Billy Graham or something. And I think most of us feel like you've got to have that kind of gifting to share Jesus. You ever feel like that? Like, yeah, I just, I don't I'm not really good at that. I kind of, kind of start stuttering when I talk to people. I, yeah, I just there's other people who are more qualified. Jesus's paradigm for ministry was simply, what is the Father doing? What is God up to? Because God's always at work. Think how things would change for us if we realized that. You know, my job is not to talk Al into becoming a Christian to give him some slick presentation, to push all the, the emotional buttons, to, to, to craft a, a, a great apologetic for, for the reason the Bible's true and everything. That's not my job at all. My job is just to see, what's God doing with Al? And how can I affirm that? How can I step into what God's doing? Isn't that a little bit easier? <laughs> so, so now we don't have the pressure of... I got to ch- change somebody. I got to talk them into this. Now, the pressure on me is just how can I get quiet and pay attention to what God's doing? How can I open my eyes to the reality that God is already at work? We're going to be starting the Alpha course in a couple of weeks, actually, about 10 days. You're going to see the wrong date at the end of this video here in a minute. <laughs> it's <laughs> September 20th. I think September 23rd doesn't happen until the year of 2018. So, um, just so you know. But you know what Alpha is? Alpha is simply, we're going to put some tables out here. It's a meal, a talk about Jesus, and a conversation. That's it. It's real simple. A meal, a talk, and a conversation. Now, somebody asked me last week, well, how is Alpha not a bait and switch? I mean, you're offering free food. You're going to have live jazz on. I mean, how is that like, like, I, I can just see it. I'm going to bring my friends there. Hey, come have dinner. And then all of a sudden, y'all are going to switch gears and say, do you know about Jesus? <laughs> well, if you come to the Alpha opening dinner, we are going to have free food. We're going to have barbecue from uh, Sweet Daddy's here in Covington. Good stuff. 
We're going to have live jazz music by some local Covington musicians who are quite skilled. It's going to be good. The vibe's going to be nice. But one thing we're going to do in the out- opening dinner is just line out what can be expected. Basically, if you show up every week, we're going to be talking about Jesus. This is not bait and switch. We're going to be very upfront. Our conversation isn't going to be about politics. It's not going to be about the state of the economy. It's just going to be about Jesus. But one thing you're going to find in this conversation, we're not going to beat you up in what you have to believe. We're not going to say, you, you know, that's stupid. I can't believe you thought such things about God, or you're a heretic, or whatever. We're just going to put it out there and have a conversation. You know, I, I led my first Alpha table about nine years ago at the Kenner Vineyard. I had never been around Alpha before. I'd kind of been around things that were, you know, kind of the other modes of evangelism that I listed. And they told me when I was leading my first table, they said, okay, now this is going to be a little weird for you, but we kind of want you to just kind of keep your mouth shut a little bit when you're leading the table. I'm like, keep my mouth shut? What do you mean? Well, just try to not talk so much for the first few weeks. Let other people talk. But what if they say something weird about Jesus? Just let them say something weird about Jesus. It's okay. (laughs) I'm like, really? Yeah, just just realize that if they're showing up, God's already working in their lives. God's already moving. You don't have to seal the deal on this. Just pay attention to what God's doing. And so, sure enough, at my table, I had some people that had some crazy ideas about Jesus, and they weren't afraid to say them. They start, and I'm, and I'm sitting there like biting my tongue. I'm like, oh, I just so much want to set them straight on their beliefs and say, you know, this is Jesus. But I kept my mouth shut. And you know what? By keeping my mouth shut, I didn't completely keep it shut. You know that's about impossible. <laughs> but by giving people space to process their questions, I was entering into their discussions just like Jesus was. Jesus enters into their discussion about him and doesn't even let them know it's him, lets them, you know, hears their things, but then works along the way with them to lead them to, to faith. What I found at the end of the, there, there's actually a couple that um, they actually used to live here on the North Shore, Lyle and Amy, and they were, um, Lyle had grown up, he, wouldn't, he was very devout Catholic, actually wanted to be a priest at one time, but then I guess he figured out he wanted to get married someday, so uh, so he had kind of left his faith. His wife, she had dabbled in Buddhism. <laughs> Buddhism and Judaism. That's a new hybrid. Uh, <laughs> Buddhism. And, uh, <laughs> my new hip-hop album. Okay. Uh, where was I? Where was I? Uh, but she had dabbled in all kinds of things, looked into a bunch of things, just hadn't ever landed on anything. And during the course of our conversations about Jesus, she had some, some, some very unorthodox things to say about Jesus. But, you know, instead of trying to fix her or make her my project, I just listened. I listened, realizing that God was at work. You know, by the end of that course, this couple, both of them had encountered Jesus. And they, they, they stepped in. They stepped across the line. Actually, they might have stepped across the line weeks before, but, but at some point, they moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They, they said, no, we're, we're following Jesus. Now they've moved on to North Carolina. They're involved with another church. But the process was, for me, that was completely different from anything I'd ever been around. Everything I'd always been was, you got to seal the deal. you got to do a good presentation, get the band to play softly and, and make a big emotional appeal. And what if you died tonight and got hit by a truck? This was completely different. It was more like 
making friends. It was more like just having conversations with folks. And so when we got ready to start this church on the North Shore, you know what, I, 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 just from the very beginning, and this actually goes back to the first time I ever led the Alpha Course, I was like, man, this would be a great way to start a church. So when we started the church, we didn't start the church with a weekend service here. We started at Matina Bella Restaurant two blocks away from here by doing the Alpha Course on Tuesday nights. We got a jazz band out there, got the food catered, and invited people. Hey, we're going to have a talk about Jesus. And though you may have heard talks about Jesus before that made you feel lousy and guilty, uh, we think that you're going to respond to this. It, it might be a little different for you. And so we invited folks out, and that's exactly what we did. And i got to tell you, I'm so glad we started the church with that because it set the culture for our church, that our church would be welcoming, that you could, you could belong before you ever believe anything, that you could come and be a part of a conversation without having to sign some doctrinal statement or something like that, that, that we could walk with you as you process your doubts, your fears, your questions about life. So I want to show a little video here uh, that we put together. These are actual participants from our church who have gone through Alpha. So uh, just so you know, the, the, these, these people actually came locally. changer for me because I grew up in a type of church that uh, it, you know I just showed up on Sunday kind of sang the songs and you know tried to be a good boy you know but you know most of the time you know it, it, it didn't last past maybe Sunday evening and you know, I spent the rest of my week you know not really focusing much on it until Sunday came back around again and um, you know what Alpha really I think more than anything showed me was that it's, it's more about Monday through Saturday and it's like Sunday, you know, Sunday, of course, is a real important one, too. But, you know, it, it's more what I'm doing through the week. What, what I wasn't expecting, like, as comfortable as a setting as it was. I was expecting more of, like, you know, pews and sit down and listen the whole time. But it was, it was so interactive. I felt extremely comfortable in asking anything I wanted to. And that's, yeah. that's the... That was the main thing that kept me coming back was I wasn't afraid of asking questions. So I liked the fact that um, I had the freedom to express myself and my own point of view um, without any uh, pressure of being the same as everyone else. The food was great. The food was great, yeah. <laughs> and the food. The food was good. I didn't know really anybody yeah. to start off with. Maybe a few people, just a yeah. whole handful of people. But it was kind of nice to get put into a table of people that I didn't know. 
and to start sharing the same same thoughts, same ideas, you know, just yeah. having the same meal together and then just kind of laying it down on the table, putting your questions out there. I met a lot of wonderful people that are really important in my life right now. You, you could bring any idea you wanted to the table about how what your beliefs or what your thoughts are, uh, why we're all here, what, what we're doing yeah. here. And um, it definitely opened up the conversation for me. about it they just like just listened to you and they prayed for you and I had never experienced anything like that having somebody pray for somebody they never met yeah. so that was pretty cool one night when um, my son was going to have surgery and um, you know after the alpha course uh, people prayed for my son and uh, for you know us to have the strength uh, to see him through uh, the difficulty he was going to face. It was a little uncomfortable for me because I'm not usually one to uh, ask for help or prayer. I'm usually a very private person. I would say that that was a uncomfortable but very uh, uh, peaceful feeling for me. I would say that I felt that God was uh, present. who want who want answers and, and people who are afraid to ask questions yeah. so, and that was kind of me yeah in big ways and it could be somebody that's uh, a completely learned and uh, a distinguished theologian down to somebody that has never experienced religion in their life before um, I think it's it, it can be applied it's not I wouldn't say it's a beginner's course and that's originally what I thought it was. I originally thought it was just like, ah, if you don't know anything about this, you know, it's a, kind of like your kindergarten level entry into it, and, and that's not what it was at all. I would, I would recommend it for anybody because everybody has stuff in their lives that they need to talk about, and, and they have questions, and there are answers. It can be pretty much anybody. Yeah. As long as you're willing to learn. As long as you're willing to learn and, and you got an empty stomach. <laughs> and an empty stomach. Hey, cool. So... We're going to be getting ready to do that in uh, in about ten days, and and we just we invite you to, to, to be out here, and just like like uh, both Paul and Ari said on the video that you know Alpha it, it really is for anybody anybody except for those people who already have everything figured out. <laughs> if you already got all the answers and already know everything, don't show up at Alpha because you can really screw up our tables. Uh, <laughs>
I got to tell you, I've been a Christian for nearly 20 years, and every time I sit down at Alpha, I learn something new about God. I learned something. So we're, we're not showing up at Alpha to, to tell everybody how they got to believe. We are going to have a conversation about Jesus. We are going to have a, each week the topic's different. You know, week one is who is Jesus. Second week, why did he die? And we go all the way down to, to praying for one another to be healed. And we, we have a retreat in the middle of it. But it, it, very basic stuff. But it's, it's a conversation. This year we're also going to be offering a youth Alpha table uh, Miles is going to be our table leader over there. So we'll have a special table set aside for, for any uh, uh, youth who want to take it. But it's, it's just a great, a great opportunity to gather around and talk. So I just encourage you to... Oh, and we also have a special... This, we're also having childcare this year and first through fifth grade alpha as well. So we're, we're hitting it on all, um, all cylinders this week or all grade levels and stuff. So... If you would like to be a part of this, I, I, I think you're going to like it. And, and I would also say that for those of you that are new to this church and you want to get more of an idea of our style of ministry, our philosophy of ministry, this is probably one of the best things that you can be a part of because really this is, this is the reason we started this church with Alpha instead of weekend services or things like that is because we really want to be a church that is hospitable to anybody that has questions and, and, and I think the, the, the feedback that I get from most people when they come here and they visit is, wow, I felt welcomed into your church. I felt like I could, could be myself here. I didn't feel like anybody was, was trying to squeeze me into some mold. I, I felt like it could be authentically who I am. And, and, and that's, really, that's really what we're trying to do with Alpha. Yes, it's going to be a conversation about Jesus. So we're about that. But anybody can be a part of that journey. And our hope is that just like these disciples on the road to Emmaus, that in the midst of our conversations, in the midst of our desserts and our dinners and our coffee and our hanging out with one another, that Jesus actually shows up and reveals himself. You know, I love the two comments on here when I asked both Ari and, and, um, and Sue, what was the most impactful thing for you? They both shared these times of how People just gathered around and prayed for him, just in the middle of some crisis in their life, several weeks into Alpha. And for both of these people, they'd never had anybody do that before. They'd never been comfortable with that. But it was just the normal, natural thing that God was doing. Nothing crazy, but that was a moment where all of a sudden it went from just talking about to Jesus, talking about Jesus to, wow, Jesus is actually there. So that's our hope. So uh, we've got some brochures over here. Uh, uh, flyers that we'll have uh, available at the door uh, on your way out. And I just, I encourage you that you invite some po- some people that uh, maybe it's uh, some friends or coworkers, someone that, that has some questions uh, and we'd be glad to have them here.